If you think that replaces your offering, forget it. <laughs> Such a thrill to be back in a place I call home in Chicago. I love coming here. First of all, I'm in love with your family that runs this whole church, from the youngest to the oldest. And sometimes I think I'm the oldest of the bunch, but I like getting older. It uh, promises me one thing. I'm going through things with my body now that I'll never have to go through again. Because <laughs> the next time around, I'll be in another area completely, and that's going to be wonderful. Let's solve some things right now. I have a scar across my nose. We'll talk about that. I have a hard time seeing. We'll talk about that. I have new teeth. We can talk about that. <laughs> We're patching up the old body the best we can. If I could get good hearing in my left ear, I'd stay around for another 50 years. So if we have anybody that heals ears, don't come forward. I don't want to live another 50 years. It's a thrill to be with you. Let's talk about this body of mine. I had cataracts or Cadillacs in my eye, and they took them out and put two Lincolns in. They had uh, glaucoma in one eye, so he took a machine gun and took that all out. I have... Uh, I've been with six weeks with the doctors working my eyes over. I think they just take them out and work on them and throw them back in. But, but the, the, it's quite amazing what they've done. Now, if it wasn't the fact that I'm at the Mayo Clinic and I have great confidence in the doctor, I would not even tell you my next statement. But when the doctor got through about two weeks ago now, he looked at both eyes, stuck his fingers in them and pulled them apart and did a lot of crazy stuff. Then he stood back and he said, I'm good. <laughs> I really did a job on your eyes. Now, that encouraged me. <laughs> and tears run like they never did before. Now I don't even have to be emotional and the tears still run. And he said, that'll take care of itself. And so in time, the eyes will improve. Now, I got a wart on my nose. I burned it off with wart off. Who doesn't do that? But it came back, so I burned it off again. And it came back, and so I went to the dermatologist who'd cut a skin cancer out of my arm at one time, and she said, let's take a hunk out of there, and we'll make a biopsy of it. So she got her carving knife, and she left me the great big hole. I wondered if I sneezed, if it would come out the top. But she left me with a great big hole there, and it healed over. And I felt real proud that I'd healed so rapidly. And then she called me and said, the roots are still in there. You have a skin cancer. We're going to have to go in and cut those all out. That was real good news. I, you feel good about that, you know. You know, to cut the arm is one thing. But you'll boot right in here your eyeballs where you can see everything that's going on. That's something different. So she went in and she did her cutting and did a great job at it and assured me that there'd be no more scar across there than there is that little line in my arm. That's all there would be. I don't think she's a liar, but I called her up before I, just about a week before I came here, and I said, uh, across my nose, it just isn't a little fine line. And she told me something that I would be telling to congregations. She said, you've got to exercise patience. It will take care of itself. So I put it in a sermon and let it go at that. So the eyes and the nose have been worked on. Don't you wish you'd work on 
preachers not preaching so long. If we could do something with that, we'd have it all solved. Now, is there anybody here that's never heard me preach? May I see your hand, please? I'd like to give you some advice. Way up high. When I preach, I go on and on and on and on and on. I go from just... I go from Genesis to Revelation, but it's the whole truth that I want to preach. But I try to take a segment and just do that much. And the only way I succeed is to know that you understood what I was saying. And the way we do that is I preach, and when I pause, you say amen. All right, now amen does not mean you agree. It simply means you've got that point. Please go on to the next one. Now if it goes on for about a half hour... And you say, amen, 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 I know what you mean. And we'll shut it down right about then. Turn in your Bibles to one of the smallest books in the Bible, the book of Jude. It's easy to find. Go to the book of Revelation and back up one page, and there it is. First and second, third John, Jude and Revelation. They'll find it in there. I'm going to ask somebody to help me read. You want to help me again? I think I've got it open there. Now, I can read it, but I hate to pull out these black-covered lenses and, and do all of that and then look down my nose. So he's got pretty good eyesight. Just uh, read about from the latter part, about chap- chapter 1 or chapter 2, either one. <laughs> chapter uh, 2 would be a bigger challenge than it chapter 1. It yeah, would be. Yeah. I'd have know. to write that. All right, why don't you start about 17? Got it. 17 to 25. Anybody got your Bible open? Let me see your hand. Be honest with me. Follow along. I don't care what version you're in, but I'm in the original. Go ahead. (laughs) The King James, of course. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, These be they who separate themselves, sensual having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. I think you know it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You are constantly being manipulated by outside forces and outside powers. Your television television is one of the best instruments that there is in manipulating you to a certain decision. Uh, It doesn't change the weather, but it teaches you that the world's getting uh, hotter all the time. Now, if you want to believe that, you go right ahead. Uh, I wish I could get the guy that started that to tithe on all the money he's made on it. But it it continues to manipulate your mind. You can't hardly turn on television without hearing something like this. You better be careful because. 
Therefore, you need to take my pill, you need to take my shot, you need to go to this, you need to do that. Constantly you are told that you should be concerned about you, you, you. And if you are not taking the right pill, then you should take another pill to counteract the action on that pill. However, if you take those two pills, you may have a side effect, and you may have vomiting, and you may have diarrhea, and you may have, and they go on and on and on, and then they try to get you to buy their pill. Now you're laughing, but you buy it, because you've been manipulated into believing that that is the problem that you have. We have the same thing in the religious circle. The religious ones come on on their television, not all of them, not all of it's all true, but it's all factual. The religious ones come on and they tell you that they've got a hold of something that you have not got a hold of. They have the ability to heal you through that boop tube. They have the ability of giving you a blessing. However, if you want the blessing and if you want the healing, write a big fat check and make it out to me and I'll see to it that you get a special blessing from God. Who made them the Pope? Who gave them the authority to call down God to do for those that are on the other side of the camera what they can't do? You say, well, you shouldn't preach like that. Somebody needs to tell us. We are in the process of physically, mentally, and spiritually being manipulated by the world that we live in. Somewhere you've got to come to a point where you say, stop, it's just me. Don't work me over like this. Now I'm the same as they. I stand before you and I have a pill that works. It's called the gospel. <laughs> and we, I believe, need to re-emphasize the importance of the gospel to our individual lives. Not for re universal revival, but for personal revival. That the gospel does work if we will apply it and take it and do something with it other than just talk about it and the past. In our religious world, we have another thing that bothers me. So lots of things bother me and I talk about them. One of the main things that bother me is people talking about how God used to move in the body of Christ. How God used to be in the churches. I've got news for you. God hasn't changed. He still comes to church. He still moves if God's people will recognize his presence and stop worrying about their own needs and start giving praise to God. Even our churches have turned their attention to, we want to help you. We want to do this for you. Do this, do that, and do the other thing, and we'll bless you. My God. Are you not an individual that can reach out and touch God and say, I need God and I go to the house of God to bless his name and to exalt him and to spread the gospel to those who haven't heard. I am a child of God. Somewhere the church has got to accept who they are or we're not going to get the job done. That was a good plot for an amen. I only got two. Let's try it some again. Somewhere we got No, you got it. Come on, church, let's wake up and stop inverting everything and converting some that are roundabout. Daring to say, what I have is shareable. Don't monopolize it. You are not, because you can speak in tongues or you can dance or because you can quiver like the liver, that doesn't make you spiritual. Dare to say, what I have, I spread to those round about me. Now that is the... Introduction, introduction to the introduction. 
That's my feelings. Now let's go to the book of Jude. Jude, half-brother of Jesus Christ. He didn't have things too easy. He didn't really believe in Jesus, if he was like his brother, until after the resurrection. Now, I'm going to bless Mary. Some of you that are ex-Catholics bless her too much. Those of you that are Pentecostal don't bless her enough. Somewhere in the middle, we should honor that sacred uh, woman that was used by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the Son of God into this world. But uh, Mary seemed to have a close relationship with the women roundabout, but the children that she raised after Jesus don't seem to be that sold on following Jesus until after his resurrection. Well, now I, I, I can buy into that, man-type stuff. I can buy into that, but let, let's look at this guy Jude, forgetting James, forgetting some of the others. Let's just go to Jude himself. He dares to say, it's tough believing in Jesus Christ. It's a hard life that we live. And then he launches into the book of Jude in his only writing. I, I like his writing. It's short. I can read the whole book in just five minutes. Don't you like short-winded preachers? How come you come to hear me? But it's short. And what Jude does is he launches He lays aside all dispensations, all realms of glory, forgets that heaven is there and hell is there and earth is there, and he just challenges every force and every might that's out there and says, in their own power, in their own doing, they have all failed. They try to do good, but they don't do good. And he names them off. He takes them out of history before we even have biblical record and waves them before everybody and says, all of these people, all of these forces, even the angelics were limited in their ability because they depended upon their ability, their intuition, that they could do it in their own way and would be successful. And then he even gets so far as angels coming down with an edict from heaven that they have a certain position they're supposed to do, but there's a warfare. And he introduces and explains in his lifetime, things are tough. Things are tough in your lifetime. You're a born-again Christian? You love him? Filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what you got going for you. You couldn't make it on your own. You couldn't make it on your own. By the grace of God. You don't mind that I talk to you, do you? The rest of them are listening to everything you say. You know that, don't you? He said it's only by the grace of God that he's even serving God. I wonder if there's anybody can amen that preacher. It is the grace of God that causes the say. I'd like to stop here. I'll give you two minutes. Grace doesn't work. Mercy doesn't work. It cannot be even used by God until you have another ingredient. It's called truth. Without truth, there can be no grace. Without truth, there can be no mercy. And until you're willing to face the truth and say, I can't make it, but God can make it in me, and stop being the hero that's going to be so what? It won't work. 
or stop being the one that is so low I can't make it and dare to say, since I can't make it, I admit that I am nothing but a sinner saved by grace and I'm a child of God. So I just wanted to tie that in there. If you didn't like that, toss that out. Won't cost you any more. I got up this morning and I looked in the mirror. Scary thing. But do you know what I saw? I saw a corn wall. Now, there are a lot of them around. Not enough, I don't think. But I didn't see Judson. I saw Robert. And I didn't see Iverna or Tom or Jim. I saw Robert. I saw Robert Cornwall, and I said, that's the same man that went to bed last night. Now, that's kind of a comforting thing, to be able to get up and be the same person you were before. You're not getting it. You don't change from day to day. Watch out, here it comes. One day I was born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. My whole life was changed. Old things passed away, and behold, all things became new. I confessed that I was a sinner, and God says, you'll never be called a sinner again. You're my child. And he redeemed me out of my sin and established in me a hope that will last through all time and eternity. When I look in the mirror, I do not see my past. My past is under the blood because the man who said, I am the truth, wiped it out. And that's the truth. Amen. Until you can dare to handle your life based upon truth, don't expect mercy, joy, peace, comfort, or anything else. And the peace has to start with, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he's my Lord. Did you like that? That's a fun one, isn't it? Let's see if it will develop. I'm not like my brother. I'm not like my sister. <laughs> I'm not like my younger brother. And a younger one, he's dead. My old one's dead. The only bad part about getting old, you've got to die. It's the only bad part about going to heaven, you've got to die to get there. But I'm not like them. You say, well, we've heard Brother Judson, and we liked him. Thanks a lot. Tell him, don't tell me. Well, we've heard Iverna Tompkins, and we, we just wish you were more like her. I'm not. But I'm a Cornwall. You didn't get it. The one you're sitting next to you is a child of God, and they're not like you, and they don't have to be like you. They still bear the same name of Jesus Christ. They still come under the same blood covenant, and every person sitting here is individually different, but we are fellowship together as one family in God. We have to learn to accept each other and stop trying to make somebody like you. My God, one of you is enough. both in personality and in spiritual development. Well, if everybody would raise their right hand and quiver a little bit, you'd have more of the Spirit. More, you know you wouldn't. You'd have more air moving around. About all you'd have. Well, if everybody could dance. Oh, thank you. The dancing days are good memories. I don't care that they dance at the extension, Ascension Convention. I don't care that they throw balls in the air. I don't care that they do flip-flops. I 
couldn't care less. I can do all those things by falling off the back end of a pickup truck. I don't care that they've got hair down to their shoulders and makeup that they can't wash off. You say, well, why don't you care? Because they are children of God, and they're not like me, and I'm not like them, but we are all children of God. Can you grasp a hold of that and stop trying to measure everybody? If you came to our church, you'd really be saved. Oh, God, don't do that. Guy talking to me the other day, a preacher. He said, I don't think we need churches. I hear you're going to preach on the value of a church building at your next convention. I said, yes, I am. He said, I don't believe that we even need churches. I said, all right, that's fine. He said, I think we can just win people to the Lord individually. I said, that's good. I'd like to have you in my church. That's wonderful. You bet. I said, but think about this. You've got a neighbor across the street. He's a dirty dog Gentile. And he sees your life. And he accepts Christ as his Savior. Where are you going to take him? If you don't put him in a church somewhere. The value of the church is not that we all become the same but that we all come together and worship the same God and look at our same roots together. It's a family gathering every time we gather together, and we should appreciate one another. All right, time out because you stopped listening. Turn to somebody and tell them you love them. Just lie a little bit. Go ahead. No, not, not like, love, yeah. You might as well get used to it because you're going to go to heaven with these people. I've got a huge congregation. I've pastored thousands of people. The majority of them are already up there. When I get to heaven, I don't think they're going to be clapping for me. I'll be clapping that they made it and rejoice. (laughs) So let me be their pastor and they still made it. Would you come read that scripture again? Where'd you go? How come you sit down on me? I wasn't through. That's in the book of Jude, in case you got lost. It's still here. Now, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're headed for the climax. We've already opened the first part of the book of Jude, and it goes this way in the first part of Jude. Life is tough. In every age, in every period of time, in every dimension, both heaven and earth, there are tough times. Wrestling and fighting. And people that lie and cheat in the church. And people that deceive. And some of them sneak in in their underwear. No, sneak in underwear of what's going on. That's, that's the 11th verse. You better go home and read it. It's right there. Some of them are in church in their underwear. Deceiving right in the house of God. Fighting among the angels. Warfare going on. And the conclusion up to this point is you're not going to make it. You're not capable, angel. You're not capable, mighty men. You're not capable of succeeding in being what you're supposed to be. But he puts an ending on this that's like whipped cream. It's good on top. Okay, go ahead and read. I'm reading where? 17? Yep. All right. 
But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Yeah, they are some more mockers. Go ahead. Who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Yeah, in their underwear. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Uh-huh. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep Wait yourselves. Building yourself up on what? Your faith. Faith. On faith? You, okay, we've got to have faith. All right, throw that in. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh oh, praying in the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're finding some crutches coming along. You can't make it by yourself, but grace flows to those who will apply it to their own lives. And praying in the Holy Spirit becomes a tool mm -hmm. that allows you to make it. Don't you know that? Don't you know that the hardest times in your life are, are overcome, the heart is overcome by praying in the Holy Spirit? You say, well, I don't believe in tongues. I don't care. Pray in the Spirit without the tongues. But lift up your heart in your spirit and pray. Now, what's the purpose of prayer? There's a short prayer that I like. Don't, I'm not going to prove. <laughs> There's a short prayer that I like that works. And I want to give it to you. Help! That's a prayer in the spirit. And it applies when you're going over the embankment in the car. And it applies when the kids come home from school. And it applies when you've got marriage problems. That's when you cry out from your spirit in the spirit of God. Help me! And I'll tell you, assure you, he will show up Amen. on that short prayer. Now, Amen. go back and start that same verse again. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Oh, okay. You just said what I said. Building yourself up with tools to help you build you on your faith in God. How do I know that God will come through? He gave me a word. and You got your word on it. You've got God's word on it that he will show up. Amen. Building yourself up. How? On your most holy faith, pr oh, holy praying faith. in the Holy Ghost. Pray, okay, go ahead from there. All right. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh hold up. I think we just said we love you. And didn't we just say to each other, I love you? It's an awfully good phrase. It's a damaging phrase for those who are faking it. Because it's, an, it's a, word, a phrase that causes obligation. No, you didn't get that. I didn't do it very well. Try again. Okay. <laughs> a couple goes together. They kind of shine and she's kind of cute and he, he's looking forward to better times. And he says, you know, I like your hair. He's safe. He can take her home, drop her off. He can say, I like to be with you. He's safe. He can take her home, drop her off. He can say to her, I love the time that we are together. And if he gets bold enough, he can say, I love your kisses. So, so, so that's kind of sexy, but we'll put it in. <laughs> and he's okay. As long as he uses the phrase, I love your hair, your time, your embrace, you're still safe. But when you say, I love you, 
You have tied a, contra a contract of words with a person to do it. When you say it to the house of God, I love you, I'm obligated to you. If you have a problem, I have to take care of your problem with you. Not for you, with you. If you have a joy, I have to share it with you. Not for you, with you. Because I love you. My connection to you is a connection of love. What does it say about love? Did I make that up? I don't even remember where we are. Oh, I know. <laughs> Verse 21. Most of them don't either, so good, go ahead. We're good. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Yeah. You get something out of it. If you'll just use faith, dare to say, I love him, just tell God you love him. You say, I, I think that's so non-religious. I know it is. Just talk to God. I love you, God. Have you ever just drive, driving along and say, Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. We sing all about him, what he does, what he's done in the past. How about just making love to Jesus? I'll tell you what, he shows up about that time. And I, and I like songs about what he has done, what he has been, but I like songs better that say, I love you. Now, since we do all of this, he in turn does something back to us. If I say, I love you, what are you obligated to do? Run, yeah, I know. <laughs> but you are obligated to respond to the statement, I love you. So when we hear the voice of God saying, I love, or we say love, now we become responsible. So now he steps in. Now read that last part. I'll let you finish it now and let you go sit down. You've worked hard today. Yes, I I'll have. I'll share you my offering. Really? Yeah. Somebody put a couple of pennies in the offering today. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you. No, please, please. That's not necessary. All the pennies in the offering will go to... Oh, what's his name? Over that, there? that could work. Never mind. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Oh. What if I don't make it? Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. He's invested in you. You said, I love you, and he says, I love you back. You said, I believe in your mercy. He says, I'll give it to you. I believe in your grace. He said, I'll give you more grace. The more you believe in me, the more I'll give you. And besides that, I've got an investment in you. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fail. Now into him that is able to keep you from falling. Because I've made an investment in you, and I have the responsibility to my Father to present you before his presence with exceeding joy. I'm going to keep you. I don't care what you've done. I remember Peter. He blew it great style. Three times he blew it. And I came down off of the cross. He came out of the grave. And I said, I'm not going to give up on a fisherman. I'm not going to give up. I'll go tell my disciples and tell Peter too. I'll meet him over there in Galilee. God's not going to give up on you, friend. Stop worrying about the pill that they're selling you, the shot that you have to have. 
the input that you have. You're going to make it. You're a child of God. You have been born of the kingdom of God. You're going to make it, not because you're good, but because he's good. He will keep you from falling. What's he going to do when he keeps you from falling? Do what with you? And present you faultless before the presence <laughs> oh, of his Lord. Oh, read that over. That can't be written right. You're reading it wrong somewhere. And oh, present yeah. you, Cornwall, faultless before what? Presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, Father, mine hour has come now. Glorify thy son with the glory that thou had from the beginning. These thou hast given me, and I bring them. I want them to see the glory that I had with you from the foundation of the world. I present them to you faultless, without error. I've cleansed them, I've washed them, and I present them to you, Father. Here are the tokens of my love, and I give them to you with exceeding joy. Amen. Is that all of it? To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Say, Oh, say it again. What a God. He not only saved you, he stamped you with a tattoo on your forehead that says love, and he says, these are mine, and they belong to me. You ready to quit? Well, let's quit. Okay. Pastor Merrill, you want to finish the rest of that sermon? I love you. Amen.